Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Blast Podcast, where we believe that movies can be more than just movies. I'm Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host Ty, and today we're going to be diving into something that Ty and I both discuss uh, pretty often, the greatest movie openings of all time. Uh, Before we start, Ty, do you want to kick us off with what you've watched so far this week? Steve, you're going to be so proud of me. You know, instead of flooding to TikTok to watch free page reels of, you know, movies I've already seen, uh, I actually sat down and watched a few this week. And that's starting that's awesome. with flight. And no, this isn't because it's flooding TikTok. Um, I know that's a thing right now, but I was on vacation it with is? my family. The The day had wrapped up, we were all exhausted. So my parents threw on, you know how at like the hotel rooms, they have like the two Showtime channels and there's always a movie playing? <laughs> yeah. Just so happened that flight was on. And I sat down and watched the whole thing with them. It's one of those, one, a reminder that Denzel is a top five actor, maybe of all time. One of my favorites for sure. And number two, this feels like the end of an era uh, with movies. We always talk about, oh, they don't make them like they used to anymore. Aside from Tom Cruise, this movie is a um, a character study based on or marketed around a big movie star. You don't see that a whole lot anymore. So it was really refreshing to get that character study movie and really enjoyed it. I've actually, um, the only flight content I've ever seen is back when it was up for a couple Oscars. They did, like, a Muppet skit about it. They just, like, had, like... A Muppet skit on that movie? Yeah, they just had Denzel's Muppet, like, snorting coke and then flying the plane. It was insane, but that's the only thing I know about flight. Well, it's funny, dude. So, for context, I know you've been off socials for a while. There have been so many memes about alcoholism and being drunk in the afternoon and they're all based around this movie so in the movies or in in the actual movie you're supposed to take these scenes seriously but i caught myself smirking or like trying to hold in a laugh during some of the most like emotional moments of the movie because i had seen them on like instagram reels or some shit that's horrible yeah what are you gonna do again though it was um like a refreshing watch like i said so glad i caught that one then I think the last time we talked, I'd, I rewatched the first Creed, still loved it, but something I don't think we mentioned in the pod, but I had said that I liked Creed 3 more than Creed 2. So mm-hmm. I went back on the last flight I was on, Creed 2 was playing for free on Southwest, so ripped through that one. Within 25 minutes, I recanted everything I said about Creed 3. This movie is way better than 3. And I'm not saying it's better than one, but I had an awesome time. Stephen Cable Jr. killed it. Um, you know, having to fill in for Ryan Coogler, kind of step up to the plate and fill some big shoes. I think he yeah. did a great job of doing his own thing, but still honoring the first one. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Creed 2 is my uh, personal favorite of the three. I think it, I mean, there's an argument to be made that it's the worst of the three movies, but I it's just personally i enjoy watching that one the most i think for me i again it goes one two three for me in the creed franchise okay but without a doubt i think it's top two maybe top one training scene in the entire franchise fair enough yeah that's fair i think it's rocky four bias for me oh really dude i wouldn't even put four i think four would be top three or four for me the first one that comes to mind is rocky three because of the uh-huh. Apollo Rocky relationship. Yeah. yeah. That's just me. Um, then moving on, I saw a new movie this this week. 
So they were doing a random showing at one of the historical theaters here in Milwaukee. They're very old school. They like to go for that retro nostalgia. And they were doing a screening of Spirited Away. You know, awesome. 12 bucks, like come to the atmospheric theater. You walk in. It's all like old school concession vibes. You know, they're printing your tickets out. You walk into the theater. Sure, there's trailers and everything, but there is a really cool 1980s uh, like advertisement montage for filling up your soda, your popcorn, um, like showing people the theater from that time. It was a really cool little montage they showed. Yeah. On, on top of that, like you'd look up, and instead of your typical movie theater lights, the ceiling was covered in like a shooting stars kind of mm. aesthetic which yeah. just worked for this movie. I know I haven't even gotten to the movie itself, but Spirited Away, I can't believe this movie came out north of 20 years ago. It is still top-notch animation. I think the only thing that yeah. comes close to me is uh, Spider-Verse in terms of mm-hmm. being able to compete with that. I know a lot of people consider this to be one of the greats, I think, including you. I yeah. think I went in with too high of expectations. I had a really good time. I think the movie's good. I just don't think it's as perfect as everyone says it is. That's fair. The first time uh, I watched it, I also went in with very high expectations, and I think that kind of made my experience a little worse as well. But after a couple of rewatches, it like grew on me more and more until it's now like in my top 50, I think. We'll have to save it for a separate pod, but one of my issues was I felt that they had set up a lot of thing, a lot of questions that would be answered by the end of the movie. And they just weren't yeah. answered for me. But I think that was intentional. So now I need to do my homework, try and like read between the lines a little bit, and try and do it again. Fair enough. Yeah. And then fourth and final movie I watched this week, I had a plan to watch In the Mouth of Madness because you recommended it, but couldn't yeah. find it on any streaming platform. I was insanely hungover. I wanted to watch something for two hours and turn my brain off. So I threw <laughs> on Nope. It's free on Prime. So... Um, watch Is it actually. Yeah, I think so. Oh man, I might rewatch that tonight. Yeah, it and again, I think you and I agree on this. I think it's good, not great. We've talked about Peel in the past, but for me, it went the exact same way my other viewings went. I really enjoyed it until the last like twenty five thirty minutes. The yeah. the final run that Kaluuya does to get the shot. Mm-hmm. Um just perfect track perfect like tension building but once you once they learn how to beat the monster or the yeah. creature really i feel like the cat was out of the bag like the all that tension that was built up came to a screeching halt and it just doesn't work for me anymore so yeah it just falls in that like good not great category like a three out of five I think if we get an open ending that just ends directly after Kaluuya's run, I think that it's a perfect movie. I completely agree with that. That is a perfect take. Awesome. Okay, right. yeah, that's that's my four. Um, I put in a lot of work this week, but looking at your list, you've put in quite a lot more than me, so let's hear it. Yeah, uh, I started the week on a cosmic horror kick. Um, potentially a pod coming out on that soon-ish, uh, but we'll see. Uh, So I watched The Empty Man, which is, in my opinion, the last great 20th Century Fox film. Uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is now my favorite John Carpenter movie. And Color Out of Space, which was kind of a disappointing Nick Cage uh, movie for me. Um, 
but all of them were very interesting. I don't know why I've been on this cosmic horror kick. Um, I really haven't seen much besides, like, Annihilation before now, but um, after that, I went ahead and watched Tusk, and I wish I hadn't, and, <laughs> um, and then moved on to Speed Racer, which is probably the polar opposite of it. But a good watch, and though. It, it's an amazing watch. Um, probably, like, a top ten movie visually ever. I don't think that's crazy. I think we talked about this before. Like, I remember seeing this movie in the theater at, like, maybe eight or nine. I think it came out in, what, 2008, 2009? Yeah, yeah. And at the time, like, confusing but a really cool watch. I think going mm-hmm. back and rewatching would be great. I think this is a movie that was completely misunderstood at the time, or we just weren't ready yeah. for it, you know? No, it's it's actually amazing. Um, sometimes it looks like an episode of Lazy Town. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, it's really good. Um, after that, I watched The Vast of Night, which is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated movies maybe ever. Um, it's about two radio, like, radiohead teens, I guess. I don't know <laughs> how to say that. Um, but they, like, are running a radio show, and they hear this weird frequency coming through, and there's, this is the height of the Cold War era, so they're not sure what's happening, and kind of unravels over the course of one night um what they're what they're experiencing yeah i i don't i gotta tell you i i haven't even heard of that one so saying it's, i actually i recommended it to jake and katrina uh probably a month ago and they loved it what platform prime i want to say okay i'll put it on the docket awesome um all right after that i watched the hug which is a short um scary film scary in quotation marks um it's like a five nights at freddy's ripoff it feels like it was made by just complete dummies <laughs> no offense um did it did it honor like fnaf or is it a complete spoof and very like not well done i want to hear what was it's wrong it's just weird it's five minutes long uh i would recommend checking it out it was part of huluween uh i think two years ago now but it's basically like this kid breaks into the animatronic when it's off and asks for a show and things go wrong. Um, yeah, after that I watched The Hunger Games, which is solid. Um, none of those movies really stand out to me anymore. It's kind of a shame because I loved them so much as a kid, but uh, I think Catching Fire is still the best. I'm probably going to end up watching that soon. This was a Morgan watch. <laughs> um, she's got them all on DVD. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. My roommates just went back and rewatched Divergent. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And I don't know if... I, I haven't seen Hunger Games probably since it came out, so I want to you know, get this get this from you. When they watched mm-hmm. Divergent, they remember loving it as a kid you know, and grew up reading the books, revisiting yeah. it. They're like, holy shit, this is, this is terrible. Does Hunger yeah. Games fall under that category? Not quite. There are a lot of uh, cringy scenes, but, I mean, it's better than Twilight. That's what I'll say. <laughs> now, is that because of the script or because Jennifer Lawrence is is her? Um, I think Jennifer Lawrence carries the movie. I think that Josh Hutcherson and... Uh, who plays Gale? Liam Hemsworth. Uh, Liam, yeah, Liam Hemsworth. I think they kind of ruin it. Uh, Shocker. 
yeah um otherwise it's it's forgettable i think i gave it like a five out of ten so okay i mean we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but what an awesome theater experience or like the hype like leading up to that movie because that's when you know teen movie stars was all the rave i want to do a pod sometime with you on like these ya like dystopian movie adaptations of like maze runner divergent hunger games all these what a weird time what a weird yeah really i'm so down yeah all right um follow that up with an objectively much better movie batman mask of the phantasm um yeah you're on something morgan loved it okay i was so excited um this is my favorite batman movie of all time and I don't think that's a ridiculous take. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. I don't agree with you, but I mean it's really hard to argue against that. It's yeah. It's fantastic. There's not much more I could say about it. And then I capped off the week with Shaft. The original, yeah. <laughs> the original, yeah. 1971. Um I loved it. I mean, it's a hallmark of the black exploitation era. Uh yeah, it's it's it was just really enjoyable. It felt like I was back in the seventies watching this movie. <laughs> Love to hear it, dude. I I don't think I've seen either one. Um, um, it's not Sam Jackson, is it? Isn't he the new? Uh, he's the newer version. Yeah. Okay. Um, the old one. Oh shoot! This is gonna kill me. Seventy one. So well before yeah. Sam Jackson's time, I guess. Yeah, it was um, Richard Roundtree. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you who that is. He he's awesome in it. Okay. Uh he's the whole movie's awesome. Highly recommend it. Okay. Uh all right. So let's hop into our top ten movie openings of all time. And for clarification's sake, we kinda loosely defined a moving movie opening as like the first like ten to fifteen minutes for this list. Um doesn't necessarily have to be just one scene or anything, so yeah. Uh if you don't mind i'm gonna hop in with one of my honorable mentions and then pass it over to you for any of yours yeah sounds good um, let's rip it yeah my first honorable mention and it kills me to live uh leave this off the list is the amazing spider-man 2 uh <laughs> the best Shocker. spider-man movie of all time yeah uh <laughs> there's not much to say besides the score is maybe my favorite of zimmers opening up there i think that diving into the frame and seeing that spider-man logo is awesome and the suit reveal is perfect and it really sets the tone for the movie i think you could argue that this is a top three like opening shot like opening 35 seconds but you're also forgetting that sony meatballed and right before like garfield's big entrance where the open is great this is technically the second scene in the movie i know i know that's why i said 10 to 15 minutes (laughs) yeah Uh, so that's why it's an honorable mention because it's technically a second scene but i i i appreciate you trying to plug your favorite spider-man movie fair enough yeah just just totally wanted to trap you i saw that on the list and want to make sure i called you out for it i knew you were gonna bring it up but that's okay oh well um i know i want to bring this up so you mentioned the hans zimmer track this one isn't on apple music and it's so frustrating so i have a saved youtube video that is 11 minutes and 55 seconds and it's that song on repeat 
for 11 minutes oh, and awesome. 55 seconds. Great gym song. That's awesome. Yeah. All, All right. right. Uh, you want to take your honorable mention? Yeah, definitely. So this one, I don't think I could convince Steve in any any realm of possibility <laughs> that this is a top 10 opening scene, but I just wanted to talk about it because it works for what it was trying to do, and that is yeah. Creed II's opening scene why i appreciate it so much so for context the first creed i think is fantastic ryan coogler maybe creates a a top five sports movie ever with this one Mm -hmm. and when creed 2 was coming out i was really worried coogler's gone we're going but we're revisiting a fun but really campy rocky four story bringing the dragos back are we oh, gonna yeah. are we gonna go back to cheesy Rocky movies again? There was a lot of worry for me, and then in the opening scene, it there's no fight, nothing like that. It's a cold opening to Ivan Drago waking up in U- Ukraine with his boy, waking him up to go train in the yeah. like a cold morning, and instead of making this movie all about Adonis, they did a really good job of developing. A, a great backstory and really diving into the character of the Dragos. And I thought that was a great way to open up and let everyone know, hey, we're taking this story very seriously. We're not only going to honor Rocky Four, but we're also going to develop the characters we created for Rocky Four. I think yeah. that is an awesome way to open up a sequel to a very good sports movie. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. It almost makes me want to uh, put it in the top ten, but... I'm just going to call recency bias here because there's no way this is in your top 10 if you haven't seen this in the last week. A thousand percent. That's why it's an honorable <laughs> mention. That's all. Um, also, great track, though. Um, I remember listening to the Creed 2 score when it came out, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. Yeah. This, um, I'm going to have to fact check the, the song title, but Ludwig did a really good job with the score and Drago's theme for this one. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, ready to kick off this list? Yeah, so before we do that, I think it's important to kind of explain the structure of this top 10. So yeah. when it comes to creating like a you know a combined top 10 list, things can get a little hectic and redundant in, tw- like in terms of bouncing back and forth and disagreeing <laughs> on the 10, not as genuine. So the way Steve and I structured this, we're each going to tackle our own three or four movies that we think have a great opening scene then we're going to come together and dial in on a consensus top three so steve if you want to kick it off with one of your your golden golden geese yeah um the first one i want to talk about is before sunrise uh have you still not seen this trilogy i don't think my brain or heart can take it steve i'm sorry i can't so disgusting it's so disgusting i Um, i know they're great I just I know I'll be I'll be a disaster for three four months. I can't do it. <laughs> this is uh, the start of the greatest trilogy of all time that Ty refuses to watch. Uh, it is Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy on a train, and he has to convince her to leave the train with him and spend this one beautiful night together. And um, in in shooting it, Ethan Hawke actually had to try and convince julie delpy to leave the train with him and she was like pretty tough on him it sounded like 
but he finally succeeded with the now iconic time travel line. And um, for those of you who don't know, he says, think of it like this, jump ahead 10, 20 years, and you're married. Only your marriage doesn't have the same energy that it used to have, you know? You start to blame your husband, you start to think about all those guys you've met in your life, and what might have happened if you'd picked up with one of them, right? Well, I'm one of those guys. That's me, you know? So think of this as time travel from then to now to find out what you're missing out on. That is legitimately the best, like, one of the best dialogue scenes of all time. The Rizzler, bro. Um, I didn't I didn't know that's the opening scene. How cool is that? Oh, dude. It's so, it's so incredible. Um, they start with, like, a real conversation about, like, him seeing his... Uh, grandparents in like this uh in like the mist of a garden hose and like talking about how he believes in ghosts and stuff but this is like the end of the opening scene and this is what kicks off the movie it's absolutely incredible love to hear it dude i mean again i I don't know if i can get myself to watch the whole movie but i've seen the scene i didn't know it was the opening oh yeah yeah you should I think that you would be absolutely fine if you watched just before sunrise, but just hold off on sunset and midnight for like a okay, few years. Okay, now that's all you had to say. Like, I yeah. I just needed like a little brain break, a little heartbreak. That's all. Fair enough. Cool. <laughs> so, I think I can tackle that. How do you want right. to do this? Are you going to just run through your three or four, or do you want to keep uh, bouncing? Let's, yeah, let's go back and forth. Cool. If you want to take it away with the first of your real list. Sure. So... When we had a combined list, this movie was placed disgustingly low by Steve. So I want to make sure eight. I talked about it. <laughs> Baby Driver. This this feels criminal not to have anywhere near the number one spot. I still remember seeing it in the movie theaters. You know, I think people argue or tend to get upset about Baby Driver now because of you know Kevin Spacey. The great thing about this intro scene. There is no Kevin Spacey for six minutes. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good run, you know. Yeah. So throwing that on YouTube, you don't have to worry about you know feeling uncomfortable. No Spacey, and you're introduced to a great ensemble cast here. You've got the Haminator, you've got Burnthal. I'm a huge Shane guy, so awesome yeah. seeing him. But the way Edgar Wright like utilizes the song Bell Bottoms, like and plays it into the script. Baby's using it while he's driving. He's got the windshield wipers moving back and forth. Burnthal pointing forward, baby pulling in reverse. Um, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned when we were talking about it, this is the best car chase scene. A thousand yeah. percent, dude. Like the the swap of red cars underneath the bridge to get away from the police or the helicopters. Such a great move. I listened- There's only, real quick, there is only one other car chase that comes close for me. Do you know what it is? Don't say the Batman. No. I don't know. The Mini Cooper chase in Born Identity. Oh, that's a great that's a great pick. That is a awesome. great pick. Alright. Wow. Wow, that's a really <laughs> good pick. Um Oh man. Is it is it is is Baby Driver still the best chase scene? Damn. <laughs> Alright. I, I mean I'm not getting I'm not getting off track. I wanna dial in here. Bell right. bottoms. Great song. And I remember for like two years after I saw this movie. Any single time I got on the highway, I ripped bell bottoms as I was like turning on or like ready to merge and would just fly in my Jeep Commander at 105 miles per hour for six minutes. <laughs> Don't know how I never got pulled over, but I think that was the best driving I ever pulled off. Fair enough. So again, um, just great opening scene. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that it's up there. For me, I just can't put it higher than number eight. Um, but it definitely belongs on this list. I think it is a near-perfect movie opening. Without question. Um, next from my side of things is Train Spotting, which is just an absolutely amazing movie about heroin use. Um, <laughs> everything about this opening screams the 1990s. You have just what the characters look like. <laughs> it's really all you need to see to know, oh yeah, this is like 1991. Um, <laughs> It really tells you everything you need to know about the main characters in a couple of minutes, and they do that without dialogue. They just kind of flash around to the characters and show their name on screen while, like, they're playing soccer or doing whatever. Um, and it also holds my pick for the greatest monologue of all time in Choose Life. Uh, and this is another one that Ty has not seen, but Choose Life is truly... I don't know, that's, if we end up making a top 10 movie endings pod, I think Choose Life is going to be on that one as well. Okay, <laughs> so I guess I got to put this one on my list finally. Yeah. It's so funny, like, pretending, like, a lot of these movies that, you know, like, again, I know about the train spotting opening scene, but I refuse to watch the movie. It's one of those. Dude. I don't know why. You know. Yeah, I actually don't know why with this, because I think you crack up through the entire thing. Okay, this is Ewan, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. I think my pick for the greatest comedy of all time. I cannot wait to disprove that. All right. And also, before we keep going, I think there is a great case in the sense that Rocky Four ended the Cold War. Now, mm -hmm. 21 Jump Street can be the greatest comedy of all time because it brought Kanye West back. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Say what you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right and moving on inglorious bastards um again i think one you can make a case for top five opening scene of all time and yeah. it is it's not like most most other openings and i think that's why it's so beloved you go to sit down go see a tarantino movie and there is a 20 minute opening scene that is about as unorthodox as it, as as one can get but you can't yeah. help be like engrossed it's it's 20 minutes of intricate and very random at times tarantino dialogue paired with great tension building and one of the best performances of all time with christoph waltz you know yeah. bouncing between languages and starting to showcase his talent i think tarantino mentioned that he was going to scrap this movie altogether because he didn't think he could find an actor that could pull off um that role and then he met christoph waltz the rest is history and well very clearly uh deserving i think this is an all-timer but um no no it's i mean this is maybe one of the most horrifying movie openings of all time and it is not a scary movie yeah um, dude it's great like the first 10 minutes you can tell something's wrong like the uh the good the bad and ugly composer he does the opening like piano music you know, yeah. everyone's faces are stone cold nervous when when Waltz shows up and when the Nazis yeah. show up to the farm. And you can tell something's wrong. Everyone's uncomfortable. We don't know why. In ten oh, minutes yeah. it's it's him, you know, bouncing between languages, talking to the to his girls, you know, asking about milk, chugging a glass of milk. 
and then 10 minutes of them just having small talk and you think that this farmer is going to get away with it we we the camera moves down into the floorboards and you see that they're mm-hmm. harboring the jews that um, the nazis are looking for and yeah. then it goes on for another 10 minutes where tension is at an all-time high uh they have to switch to english so that um no one can understand what they're saying the farmer right. is you know crying just again all-timer um tension building scene it's awesome even though i will say inglorious bastards is maybe my least favorite tarantino which is a ice cold take but it's just not really for me i don't think it's crazy i would say it's not my favorite i'd probably put it like top four top five and the only drawback with this opening scene is yes it's great but i can think of like two or three scenes that i would rather watch i think the the bear Jew scene, um, the one where they're at the theater and he's making yeah. the three guys um, show off their their Italian, you know the mm-hmm. Dominic Ducoco scene, <laughs> just all time. Gorlami. Yes, yes. Like the, there are a couple really great dialogue heavy scenes that are better than this opening. It just so happens to still be that good. Fair enough. So the next uh, entry on my half of the list is The Dark Knight, um, which starts with. I think the second best heist of all time. Um, We'll talk about the first best probably a little later on this list. Um, But it is truly just fundamentally like a perfect opening. Um, It introduces the most terrifying rendition of the Joker I think we've ever seen. Um, And really shows one of Zimmer's best tracks. Um, We get just this high-pitched kind of squealing noise um that starts for about a minute and it just builds up and gets louder and louder until you're ready to just crawl out of your skin and then we finally get a break from that yeah i'm i'm a little biased with the score here only because my favorite tracks are all ones that i want to listen to after the fact yeah this one's so eerie you know it's high octane but like you said it's it's not exactly pleasing to the ear for a while. It's right. more for tension building. But there's like a, like a lot of little tidbits where um, when you go back and revisit it, you know, at the very end of the scene, they talk about, oh, the Joker, he told you to kill me after mm-hmm. I did my part of the job. And yeah. if you revisit, that happens to every single one of the crew members is, you know, someone opens the vault, gets shot. Yeah. You know, the bus driver shows up, gets shot by the Joker. So yeah. little things like that that I liked. But my favorite part about this opening scene, every single time I watch it, I try and guess which window is going to blow up right off the yeah. jump. And I have never gotten I've seen this movie at least 100 times. I've never picked the right window. <laughs> you uh, you introduced me to that game when we saw this in theaters a couple of years back. And every person that I've watched it with since, I've played that game with. <laughs> it's an all-timer, dude. Have you ever gotten it? uh i think i did once of course i don't believe that for a second that was just me being nice (laughs) um yeah i mean there's not much to say about this because it feels just so perfect you know yeah i mean this is a consensus top 10 pick for almost anyone i would i think a lot of people would say this is their one Mm -hmm. i would agree but but i don't even think uh, you know what i'm at we'll leave it we'll leave it but um I'm glad that neither one of us agree it's it's in the top three. I think I we agree. can yeah. I think we can do better. Yeah. 
Cool. So that leads me to my final favorite movie opening that a lot of people I don't think talk about enough, but that would be The Marriage Story and Up. And I think that this opening is so good that everyone has forgotten that the rest of the movie really isn't that great. This isn't Pixar's best, but that first 10 minute love story oh, yeah. is almost perfect. I think it's one of the best romances ever put on screen. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's only 10 minutes, but somehow encapsulates a lot of love, a lot of tragedy, heartbreak. 10 minutes and nonverbal. It does yeah. all this with no words. It's all business, dude. And it's funny, I was rewatching a couple of these openings beforehand, and I had to turn off up because I was starting to get emotional uh, <laughs> after she got sick. It yeah. just, just brutal. But no, I mean, there's a reason that, that that track, Married Life, is playing on everyone's For You page, like 50% of your videos. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking, but beautiful at the same time, and so is this scene. Truly. Um yeah if you have nothing else to say then i'll round it off with my last of my favorites i don't i just want to say that again great opening scene not a great movie but i think that's partly it it just signals how good of a scene it is yeah uh similar story i think is wally i love the entire movie but i think the opening stands out there um not my pick though uh (laughs) The last so what do you of got? my what do you favorites, got for us? yeah, the last of my favorites is The Empty Man, uh, which is probably the most unconventional opening on this list. Um, it lasts for what, like 15, 20 minutes? And yeah, dude. None of these characters appear in the rest of the movie, um, which is just awesome. Uh, I think it's a really bold choice by the director who studied under David Fincher for a long time. I didn't know if you know that. but I um, didn't. Yeah, it shows. Um he builds a lot of tension. It introduces all of these characters just to, spoiler warning, kill them off. Um, and it just really puts you on edge. Like, what is this thing that they stumble upon in the cave? What is happening to this group of people? We do not know at all. So uncomfortable, dude. And mm-hmm. I think, again, I, I think I love this pick. Only because it's not going to show up on a lot of people's lists. Because I think a lot of people just miss this movie. Yeah. It was like a, a quiet one. I want to say, was it 2020 or 2021? Uh, I believe it was 2020. Okay. Yeah, it just kind of went under the radar, a low-budget horror movie that, I don't know, just works for me. That, that Like you said, the first 15, 20 minutes is like a pseudo-origin story or like yeah. a pseudo-side story that it I guess ties like into the end. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, yeah, great way to put it. But... I think what makes it so terrifying is that at the end of the 20 minutes, all of these characters you've you've started to like buy into are all gone. So yeah. it's the fear of the unknown that this opening creates that I think makes it so special. Cosmic horror. Yeah, you just you're on a run with these. <laughs> I am. Maybe maybe you're onto something. Um yeah, it's it's a beautiful opening. Um and real quick, the reason that it stayed so quiet is um this was being like just ending post-production as Disney bought 20th Century Fox. And I believe the story goes that Disney didn't want to release something like this messed up as one of their first like 20th Century Fox things. I remember this. Yeah, they kept it quiet for a while, released it pretty under the radar. I don't think it got much time in theaters, if at all. 
and it's become a real cult classic. Yeah, it will it will have its time in the sun. I think I, I definitely missed it in theaters, but this was an HBO Max play for me. Yeah, same. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. All right. Um, we, we, time for that our... wraps up that wraps up our what? Top seven. S- seven. Yeah. Okay. Down to the last three. Yeah. This is Let's it. rip it. Um so these three are the ones that Ty and I could agree upon as the best three movie openings of all time. Um so kicking off that list at number three is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Just a great, great opening, dude. It is. It is. Um, third best heist of all time, potentially. <laughs> just just rattling off all the heists. Yeah, truly. I mean, that's... I could make an argument that Baby Driver's opening is the fourth best heist of all time. Yeah. Um, oh. It's it's really one of the only movies on here where the opening I feel like is truly the most iconic scene. Um I don't know if I could say that about the rest of these besides up maybe. Yeah, but even the up opening isn't this iconic. I mean, him yeah. staring at the the gold medallion, mm-hmm. you know, doing the the sandbag transfer, weight transfer. Yeah. The the the, the bowling like the like cement ball chasing him as he's running down the hall. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell cameo yeah um and for a pg movie and mind you this is the 80s so things are a lot different and there are some spooky visuals in this opening scene the you know he's got the spears sticking out of his head all the spiders creepy crawlies oh yeah some scary stuff in this one it also really tells us everything we need to know about indy we see like all of these people that are with him either i think a few of them die right and then the others get picked off um or just get scared and just indy is just unflinchingly pushing forward on this mission to find this idol um only to be screwed over yeah only Um, to be screwed over yes but no that again i think that's a great telling of what's to come is dr jones goes Mm -hmm. and gets whatever treasure he's after only for it to be stolen and the, the credit to be removed from his name no it's it's amazing um yeah, even though it's not the best indie movie of all time, I think that... You're, are you Last Crusade, Last Crusade Camp? Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought you were going to say Temple of Doom, and oh, I think we would have just stopped the pod right now. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, it, dude, Dial of Destiny. It's oh. going to be great. <laughs> no, it peaked with uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, And I think I agree with you. Three's my favorite, too. All right. Um, moving on to number two of the list, then. We have, it could be it could be number one. It could, it could be, be number one, but uh, this is Scream. Uh, we start off by killing Drew Barrymore, who is one of the biggest names of that time, uh, and that might be the greatest power move in the history of movies. It's not even that she was just a big name. I mean, the, the movie was marketed around her. She's got yeah. the the biggest space on the poster, and this was still in an era where your movies are built around your stars. Right. And they killed their star in the first 10, 15 minutes. I mean, yeah. like you said, what a ballsy play that that worked. Can you, like, imagine if Marvel did this now? Like, if, if Marvel cast, I don't know, who would be a big enough name? Um, well, I guess they already did as Mysterio. I was, my first name came, like, Jake Gyllenhaal. But, uh, Let's try Tom Cruise. So say Marvel gets Tom Cruise yeah. in on a deal. They mark an entire movie around him, and they kill him in the first 10 minutes. I think that, like, TikTok goes crazy and is like, nobody go see this movie, right? 
it just doesn't work for not only the MCU formula, but also the MCU fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the only other movie I can think of that did this was the original Mission Impossible. You get um, Tom Cruise working with John Voight's team, Emilio Estevez, a couple mm-hmm. other notables, and they all get rinsed in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. That's the only other time. But again, the, the, those aren't, you know, the stars of the movie. This right. was a complete change of pace that like you said is kind of inspired or become so iconic because of the ballsy choice yeah and it is also arguably the best kill in that movie um oh like, without a doubt yeah. dude like even just like not all the tension building and you know that that ghost face reveal and everything but the the boyfriend by the pool or Steve. how close the parents are to save Andrew Barrymore like they're they're like a they're a car ride away you know they're they're a driveway away I mean I mean I can't I think one of the things that really sticks for me with me from this is um after she's been choked like she can't speak and she's still on the phone and she's like trying to call out to them she just can't yeah just painstaking dude like that that close to being saved I think like like you said that's what that's what makes it such a good kill yeah, and even showing this to like I showed this to AJ not too long ago. Um, he hadn't he had never seen the movie, and even he was like, "Oh wow, like that's that's how this is gonna start." Yeah, I, we haven't even mentioned this part, but if Drew Barrymore gets taken out in the first ten minutes, who's safe? Right. You don't know. Like there's exactly. it creates a lot of tension, and a lot of fear. It does. Um, yeah, it, it pains me. The only other scary movie really that came to mind um other than scream and the empty man was halloween with that long tracking point of view shot from michael myers it's a good one it is um but this is just far and away the best without a doubt and i know you you are you're definitely a scream truther but i'm also a big fan of the franchise and this is a a big reason why it's become this successful awesome all right do you want to reveal our number one i think i can do it you know i almost spoiled it when we were talking about the dark knight but i wanted to point out that the dark knight isn't even christopher nolan's best opening scene yeah it's tenet it's tenet and i vividly remember after seeing the movie you and i like the consensus like number one talking point was was that the best opening scene of all time yeah yeah, and you have you know a, a a way bigger love for this movie, so maybe unpack, you know, the experience of visiting the theater during lockdown and going yeah. to see this one. Yeah, this was this was my first movie back in theaters after COVID, or still during COVID, I guess. Um, I was uh, doing school from home remotely for college, so it was this was like the biggest crowd I'd seen since probably the start of lockdown, and sold out i bought the tickets as soon as um pre-orders were available so like probably a month in advance and i was just counting down the entire time i think i watched the uh the trailer with travis scott's the plan going oh such a good song dude i still listen to that dude it's amazing um i think i watched that trailer probably north of 50 times (laughs) yeah and i'm glad you brought up the plan you know what a great track but it's not nearly as good as the the track in this opening scene Ludwig Gorenson, heat check, bro. Yes. Rainy Night in Tallinn, just an absolute banger. Like, 
again, we'll, we'll, I'm sure you'll want to dive into this, but you're just thrown into this this orchestra, mm-hmm. and they're about to, you know, the conductor's about to rip a, a performance. Bam! Gets shot, and it's yeah. just you are engrossed in this high octane, you know, action like heist moment. Yeah, but. You have no idea what the fuck's going on. You can't hear a single word that John David Washington is saying. <laughs> uh, it's just the vibes. Don't try it and is. understand it. Just feel, feel it. Feel it. Exactly what Nolan tells us to do. And exactly. It's it's um, kind of funny because the opening of Rainy T- Night Until End does um, remind me of why so serious from The Dark Knight because it starts with all these like weird like tuning notes that are kind of clashing with each other before that first gunshot rings out and we get this opening and you see john david washington gets thrown a fake like terrorist uh force patch or something to to blend in with the police there he runs in and i think what people don't talk about much i heard this somewhere once and it's that you can tell in every moment of the scene that John David Washington was in the NFL. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I was thinking about that the last time I watched it. Cause yeah, just an, he's an athlete. He is. He's running everywhere. The slide. Oh under my God! The, into, like, into the bench, into the the coat check. Yeah, is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny you mentioned that. Like I remember during that opening scene, like getting dialed in, and then. Like you said, the music ramps up and, you know, David Washington and crew, like they break off and just start sprinting through the halls yeah. with, the, with the music going nuts. Like, I'm like head bobbing. Like, okay, yeah. again, I don't know what we're doing, but I'm all in. And again, um, this is one that really throws off your expectations. He is in there supposedly to rescue this random like guy from the audience in this terrorist attack. And as soon as he gets out, he hops in a van. They say, okay, they shoot him, and then they start interrogating John David Washington. Yeah, total total play on play on the mission. You know, he, got, he got betrayed. You kind of get a hint towards, you know, not that they were set up, but there was some, like, kind of Russian intelligence that, that beat right. them to the punch. We don't know what's going on. Um, John David Washington takes the cyanide pill, and then mm-hmm. it turns out it was just a test to prove his loyalty to his country. And then we kick off. We start to try and unpack what tenant means, but right, and it doesn't matter for first, that opening. We also get the first sighting of the like moving backwards through time with um, Robert Rob Pattinson Pat. saving John David Washington's life. Yeah, the little little keychain cue as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, cool Dude, stuff. Oh my god, I could watch this opening like every night, and I think it would still just get me absolutely amped. <laughs> yeah, and that that that's the point we're trying to make is the reason it's one is because you don't need to watch the rest of the movie. You don't need to understand what's going on. It's just a banger. It's mm-hmm. it's a vibe check, and it it succeeds. Yeah. Um. Again, you said nobody can hear what John David Washington's saying. We have very different opinions on what Christopher Nolan was trying to do with this movie. I think that worked for the entire thing. Ty does not. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's also, annoying. We have been referring to greatest heists of all time. Trucks in place in Tenet is the greatest heist of all time, in my opinion. So good, dude. So good. All in camera, too. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Just gorgeous set piece. I just 
the creativity behind that is one that's hard for me to think of how Christopher Nolan like dreamed up is using a fire truck's ladder to lift him over on top of another vehicle is amazing. Right. I mean, shit, dude, you're going to talk me into rewatching the whole movie at this point. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's our list. Uh, some of the repeating features I noticed when we're going through like the notes that we made on this is in just about every one of these, there is a absolutely amazing track playing and it is getting you in the mood whether it is tenets um rainy night into lynn just getting you absolutely amped or ups married life which is kind of putting you in this mellow kind of happy mood before letting you into this depression i think another you know great talking point here is that at least what i noticed there are a couple movies here that we don't necessarily you know love as much as the others Mm -hmm. and that's just a testament to the fact that some of these opening scenes, they stand out on their own. They're not influenced by our love for the rest of the movie. Like me right. personally, I loved your Empty Man take. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the rest of the movie. It's fine. But wow. I think the opening scene is just a banger. And yeah. that's a testament to a well-executed opening scene. I'm not a, I don't love Tenet. I think it's good. But you and I can both agree that that opening scene slaps no matter what. Right. Like, I, I noticed that a couple times. They're just not influenced by our love or hatred for the rest of the movie. Right. And they also all just throw you straight into it. Like, there's not really any build-up at all. It's Tenet, you don't know what's going on, like you said. Raiders of the Lost Ark, we just pick up in the middle of this presumably, like, months-long expedition to find this idol. <laughs> like you don't really necessarily need context to understand what's happening in the openings of these movies. And it just hooks you right in and grabs you. It's a great way to put it. It's just, it's all business. It's like we mentioned with tenant. These are all kind of just vibe checks. They, they dial you in for what's to come. That's it. Right. Um, and they also, for the most part, tell you everything you need to know about the characters in the movie. Unless it's Inglorious Bastards where it's just 20 minutes of chugging milk. Right. Which I'm totally cool with. I'm a big milk guy, so maybe Ugh. that's why it was on my list. God, you're disgusting. You're yeah, there so is literally. I don't know if you remember this, but in that scene, Christoph Waltz grabs the glass of milk from one of the daughters and chugs mm. it in like 15 seconds. Ew. I know it's disgusting, right? Yeah, yeah, I do that like four times a day. Dude. Sorry, sorry. So, milk. I'm cutting bias. this out when we edit this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, if you're good with it, I think we're good to cap this pot off. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap it up. We're good to go. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been a really fun pod to make. Uh, anytime a new movie comes out and there's like a really solid opening, like Tenet, Ty and I just immediately text each other or call each other and say like, dude, this opening, it's top 10. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this one and stay tuned for another pod coming soon. Uh, I'm hoping to talk about John Carpenter or maybe some cosmic horror since I've been on that kick. Um, but we also might be doing a top 10 endings pod because this one was again, just a really, really good one. I think that's a great segue or a great next episode. So let's, maybe let's, uh, stay tuned for that one. All right. See you crew.